We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Fay. With me today, special guest, Lucas Kaplan. Lucas, we are talking about a Nets win, 134-129 over the New Orleans Pelicans. We got some bad news on the injury front today, but nice to have a Nets win. How are we doing, Lucas? Doing pretty well after that Nets win, man. I couldn't imagine a back-to-back of the hardened news and a tough loss in New Orleans. So at least we're ending the night with a little bit of optimism. Uh, yep. never, never good to go to sleep fully negative. Agreed on that. And obviously, you know, nice bounce back game after that Miami Heat loss. Nets grind went out a couple big plays from Kyrie down the stretch. We'll jump into that. But as always, you can find the build of Brooklyn Buzz on all streaming platforms. But Lucas, I guess let's start with that first quarter. I mean, it was an ugly start for the Nets. They allowed the Pelicans to get on a 16-0 run early. Steve Nash makes that timeout. Bruce Brown brings some energy. What do you think was that big change in the first quarter? I think this is one where, I mean, we've seen this from the Nets all year. They have a tendency to Come into games not really with the energy level required. I mean, coaches will call that respecting the opponent um, yep. as a backhanded compliment or a backhanded diss. But really, I just saw the Nets sagging way too far off shooters, letting them get in a rhythm. There were a lot of uncontested threes early on, which has been a pattern with sloppy first quarters. And that's a snowball effect because once you allow a team to see some shots go in, it's a realization of, oh, I, we can play with these guys. Yep, I feel the same exact way. That's a common thought I have on the buzz, just because, like you said, even if they're a bad team, you let these guys, they're professionals, they make some shots, the game's going to change. And especially a team like New Orleans, I mean, they still have a chance to play in game, but there's really no pressure on them to win games. So they're just trying to do their best out there. A couple guys on two-way contracts trying to make a name for themselves. So it's just been, like you said, a common theme for the Nets post-All-Star break, slow starts in the first quarter. Really happy with Bruce Brown, though. I felt like he came in and he brought like that energy surge for the team. 
Yeah, absolutely. That is a Bruce Brown game if there ever was one. You know, you're in game, I don't know, what is it, like 57, yep. guys sluggish, second city in three days, front end of a back-to-back. Those are the types of games where a guy like Bruce Brown, whatever impact he's going to make in the playoffs, those are the games where he really stands out, adds a lot of value. And from the moment he came in to the moment he left, he was fighting for every board, every loose ball, just a guy you don't want to play against ever, really. Yeah, just typically one of those annoying players. Finished with 11 points tonight, 3 of 4 from the field, 4 of 6 from the free throw line, 1 of 1 from 3, mm-hmm. 11 rebounds, 3 offensive, and Bruce Brown loves his steals. He had 4 tonight. Like you said, just the type of guy that brings that energy, and he understands his role and what he needs to do out there and just kind of be that chippy chippy guy, bring the energy, get some steals, whatever it is, got some nice transition opportunities. And I think you love the fact as a fan like that he's willing to compete with Zion. He's willing to compete with anybody. You know, He has that toughness, and obviously he sealed the deal with that big rebound at the end yeah and there was that one play with zion in particular where he fronted the post for like yep. 15 20 seconds just getting his elbows in there and came up with a deflection and an even bigger positive from bruce brown if you want to look more towards the playoffs is that we didn't really see him in the short role tonight we didn't yep. really see Kyrie get doubled brown takes the four on three and it's nice to see that he added value in a lot of other ways on the glass. He made a lot of nice cuts, the defense, as we talked about, which I think you'd agree that those are more transferable skills to the playoffs because we probably don't imagine Bruce Brown on the short roll as a fulcrum of Nets offense when the playoffs come, or at least I hope not. Yeah, exactly. We hope not. If everyone's healthy, you know, that should not be the case. Like you said, I think the cutting is really important. Staying active. Obviously, teams aren't going to respect your three-point shot if you're not taking a ton. And like you said, some of the cuts tonight and what he did out there. And also, I think just the fact of playing with Blake Griffin, who can sit at the three-point line instead of playing with DeAndre Jordan, which Bruce Brown has mentioned has been a struggle for him at different points just because the, the paint gets really, really clogged. But uh, moving on from Bruce Brown, let's talk a little Kyrie Irving. You know, This wasn't overall a great game from Kyrie, but I felt like in the second half and the fourth quarter, he turned it up, finished with 32 points, 12 of 19 from the field, three of seven from deep, five of six in the free throw line, two rebounds, eight assists, one steal, five turnovers. What'd you think of Kyrie's game tonight, Lucas? That's a quintessential top 15, top 20 player. Maybe even higher on his best nights, honestly. Yep. That is what you want to see because he doesn't look to be dominating the game, especially in the first half. And you get to the end of the game and the ball's in Kyrie's hands. And more than anything, that's why you're going to win the game. And you look up and he ends with 32-8. and Um, He had a couple of iffy turnovers, but that gets everyone from night to night. And noticeably, he just looked like he had way more juice than in the Miami game. At the end of the Miami game, you know, the ball fell into his hands one-on-one. And he just didn't look that spry or eager to attack. But you could just tell when he re-entered the game in the fourth quarter tonight, different energy, like I'm feeling good. I'm post I'm getting the ball on this right wing and this shot's going up. And that it's really nice to see that he can have an iffy two and a half quarters and bring a team home like that. Yeah, to be honest, I was surprised when I saw the 32 points. I would have thought like, you know, maybe 24, 26 or something. Because like you said, he turned it up in the fourth. But early in the game, he looked almost a little fatigued. 
And then, like you said, he came in that fourth quarter, had some nice jump to him. And I was like, all right, this is the guy we need. Obviously, some of that is the difference between, you know, a Pelicans defense and a Miami Heat defense, which Mm -hmm. are going to make your life a lot more difficult. He got into his situations, but also he didn't settle for threes and he got to his spots. I mean, I love him right under the free throw line, contested by almost anybody in the league. It feels like it's a shot he's going to hit. And, you know, the Nets needed that tonight to close out the game. And that was pretty much a difference. They had Kyrie Irving and the Pelicans didn't have a closer. Yeah. And my favorite sort of play design to get Kyrie a one-on-one was, like you said, I think it was below the free throw line extended. It was that sort of half post up on Lonzo, where I think he hit him with a fake spin and then the turnaround over the right shoulder. And that's just a really simple way to uh, to clear out a side for him when yep. you don't need him to attack from 25 feet out because he is really good in those sort of quasi post-up situations. So... It helps that he can start his one-on-one game from pretty much any spot on the floor. Agreed, especially with his back-to-the-basket in the post-up situation, you have to respect that too. So like you said, you know, also probably a better job from him, his teammates getting him in that position. But he also made a – I didn't think he played good defenses this game. I thought he was kind of the culprit of a lot of those closeouts early in the first quarter and some of those effort plays. But he did make the big play on Zion to end this one, and that's kind of all that matters. And, I mean, you don't necessarily anticipate him playing good four quarters of defense. As long as he can give you one, that's going to be okay until the postseason. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, in an ideal world – and we've seen this from Kyrie throughout the year where he'll have a game where four quarters, he's locked in on defense, offense. But, yeah, there was some slippage early on. He didn't make a few close. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But as long as, you know, NBA players are just so good at their job. He knows when to cut off, when to relax a little, take 10% off. If he's there and it's a close game in the fourth and he has juice, that's really all you can ask for, especially this type of season, where we are in the schedule. Yep. It is what it is. And he and the workload he's had the last couple games with, obviously, the other stars being out. Yeah, exactly. Um, he's initiating a lot more. He's not getting those breaks on offense. It almost feels like it's a little bit more difficult for him. He's, I felt a little frustrated at points, you know, not having the likes of a James Harden or a Kevin Durant to kind of just make his life that much easier. But... Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Nobody builds 5G 
like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. A former big star in this league, obviously, is on the Nets now. Blake Griffin, I thought he had some good moments tonight. 16 points, 6 of 13 from the field, 1 of 5 from 3, 3 of 3 from the free throw line, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 block, 1 turnover. You know, Blake had a couple of rough plays in this game, but overall, I thought he was a plus. I agree. I He was definitely a plus. I mean, they don't win that game with, with a replacement level big, I guess you could say. Um he helped their offense out when Kyrie and Joe were out. He, yep. he he stabilized some of those possessions. And then I want to highlight that dunk he had in the fourth because there were a few times earlier where he'd pump fake on the three-point line, get a guy in the air or get the advantage and not really attack off the dribble. So that one of those final possessions in the fourth when he got his defender in the air, took two hard dribbles and elevated for a dunk. If he can do that, that is very that's very helpful for this team and their prospects of playing him at the five, I think. I agree. I think that's something obviously he can do. He's a big body. I think it's almost kind of like, does he have enough juice in the tank at that point? You know, we saw the dunk a little bit earlier where it felt like he wanted to throw down a highlight dunk and he kind of just came up a bit short. So if he can kind of have that juice and just save it for the fourth quarter and have some of these big plays, I think 28 minutes is probably a little bit, you know, high for him just based off of the injuries he's had. He looked like he was hurting a little bit, but also big credit to him because there's probably a handful of players in this league that are willing to take a charge on Zion. And Blake Griffin is one of those guys. So, And he tried to do it a second time as well. Big credit to him for those plays and the hustle plays. I think like anybody who's had that many injuries and they're still willing to die for loose balls, you got my respect. Yeah, and you can always live with a guy making mistakes if they're the result or of too much energy or if in general he's just a high-energy presence yep. throughout the game. Um, that guy in any given situation because he's giving full effort is generally going to make a positive play. Um, so you really can't complain. And the other thing is he, in addition to that effort, he knows where to be on mm. defense. Offense. You can tell he has a good understanding court awareness. I mean, there's nothing this guy hasn't seen on an NBA floor and that shows. And the last thing I'll say is 28 minutes is probably a bit high, but it's nice to see he can handle that in a yep. given matchup. And with Claxton hopefully back soon, you figure those stabilized to maybe 22, 23, something like that. Yeah, definitely. And like you said earlier, you know, he was a big part of kind of stabilizing the offense. He almost gives them, you know, like a point forward, you know, a playmaker out there. A couple of really nice passes in this game. Only finished with three assists, but I really like the passing from Blake on a regular basis. And like you said, hopefully Nick Claxton is back. Health and safety protocol has kind of screwed the Nets a couple times this year, but it's just it's just that type of season. Moving on to another old uh, forward on the team, Jeff Green, 15 points, 5 of 14 from the field, 1 of 6 from 3, 4 of 4 from the free throw line, 9 rebounds and 6 assists for Uncle Jeff and 1 block in there. You know, Jeff Green, not a great shooting night, but you give the guy credit battling with Zion and still making plays when we need it. And then the 6 assists definitely caught me by surprise. Yeah, I think he. this was a much better game for him than the Miami game. Mm -hmm. I think a few instances in the Heat game where – there was either a lapse on defense or a lack of effort or miscommunication. 
Um, but he, I thought he did much better on that end today. And I think he also evidenced by the six assists was a little better as a ball mover. That's something I've been highlighting a bit in that I think that's the reason or one of the reasons why Jeff Green plus DeAndre or another big lineup haven't really worked. Um, but today was not. He made a couple of nice dump down passes. He made a few swing passes. And when he's doing that and a threat to shoot the ball and drive the ball and dunk on your head, that's <laughs> really valuable ancillary guy, especially even when it's just Kyrie of the stars yeah. on the and he definitely seems like a guy that understands, like, hey, the stars are out. I might need to step up. But you mentioned that dunk on Jackson Hayes. Holy shit, man. He just was out there just trying to murder people. That just – and he went for – he came for Steven Adams a couple times too. Credit to Jeff Green, who's literally not scared to dunk on anybody in the NBA. But, Lucas, who would be your favorite front court pairing, pairing with Jeff Green? With Jeff Green, I – I mean – the cop-out answer is KD. <laughs> he looks good uh, next to a lot of guys. Yeah, KD fits in a lot of places. But um, if we're if we're excluding that or if we're pretending KD's at the three, then I would probably say Nick Claxton mm. because I would say Jeff Green of those guys is, from what I've seen, the weakest defender. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I expected Blake to be a clear tier above him, but in my eyes, that's what I've seen. So I think pairing him with Claxton um, gives them a solid defensive backcourt. And we've seen them play together. We've seen that chemistry. So I think they'll close KD Jeff in the playoffs a lot of times. But I think those Jeff Green minutes that come before then, I suspect you'll see a good bit of Claxton. Yep. And I think that provides a ton of switchability. You know what I mean? Then you have the option. You're putting Jeff Green on a ton of people anyways. And then obviously one of Clax's probably best skill is his switchability. So now it's like, hey, we're utilizing this a little bit more with that pairing right there. But another player talk about Landry Shaman, who's just been on a tear post All-Star break. Another really good game from him. 18 points, 7 of 12 from the field, 3 of 7 from deep, 8 assists and 1 rebound for Shaman, who just looks like a different player lately. You, yeah, I've, he absolutely looks like a different player because not only are his shots falling, but and this is the case with a lot of shooters, you can tell it affects how he moves on the court entirely. Yep. So not only is he shooting better, but now he's hunting those shots. One of the things I've been impressed by with him is his relocation skills. Mm-hmm. And now he sees an opportunity, says, I am going to go get this three up. And now we've seen he's a little bit more comfortable more reps handling, initiating for others. Um, It's been a really, really nice two weeks for him. And the hope is, you know, he keeps this play up. And then when he comes off the bench in the playoffs, he has this attitude. Um, It just makes a difference when he's hunting his offense. I mean, I think you'd probably agree. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the confidence with him is night and day. Like, you can just see it, like you said, in all of his movements. And even when he's taking shots, he just, it looks like he knows they're going to go in. You know what I mean? And when he misses, he's upset. Before, early in the season, it was like he didn't feel like anything was going down. And I think he's also starting to use a little bit more of his burst. Like, I think he's low-key kind of quick. And you see him attack big sometimes on those closeouts or just get them in the pick and roll. Uh, like Brian Rucco pointed out in the broadcast, that little, you know, pizza pie thing that he does. That's pretty good right there. And then I think also 
he's looked a lot more comfortable with the ball. Like I think I mentioned to Jack before, his handle has looked tighter, and I think that's a pretty big deal for him because it felt like at times it was kind of cookies when he was on the court for other defenders. And the fact he's tightened that up and he threw in the eight assists, like you said, he's becoming a real weapon for the Nets. And it's like to the point where they have elite offense with their stars, but now they have another type of elite offense when they're, they have Joe Harris and Landry Shaman on the floor. We saw a couple plays where they're screening for each other, and it's like pick your poison, and that's a really tough defend if you don't switch. Yeah, Kyrie, Joe, Shamit trio is something that will really stabilize. If they have any chance at the one seed, yep. or even not to the two seed isn't guaranteed, that you you like the amount of offensive creation abilities now with Shamit playing like this that a Kyrie Shamit backcourt has because if you got Kyrie on one side, Shamit on the other, it's two guys capable of attacking now and getting the ball back to the other side and swinging, yep. coming off the screen, making an open three. Um, but yeah, it is, as you said, night and day. He just looks totally different in his movements, his swag, the way he's walking on the court. And in a way, it's predictable. I don't know yep. to this extent, but, you know, 24-year-old, third team, three years. Those are the ways that injuries can they're not a blessing, but these are the ways in which they help the team. Guys get opportunities like Shamit. So it's very nice to see he's taken advantage of that. 100%. And obviously the other sharpshooter on the team, uh, we'd get in trouble from Jack if we didn't mention him. That's Joe Harris. You know, Loki had 24 points. I'm not going to lie. Another guy I was kind of surprised with a point total. 10 of 16, 3 of 6 from 3, 2 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal. Another nice game for Joe Harris. He had six threes out of 16 shots. I mean, imagine saying that about Joe two yeah. years ago. Um, he's so good putting the ball in the, it's, I can't believe it. I can't believe this is Joe Harris. The reverse layup he had yeah. with Steven Adams, the lefty one earlier. I mean, such a simple but effective handle. And he's so, the thing I notice on his drives is he's so solid. His core must be, he must be absolutely ripped. Eight pack because he just goes up and when he's in the air he has such stability finishing it's why i think his finishes look very easy even though they're not i mean it looks like a basic reverse a simple left hand layup but i think it's because he's so on balance in the air which um is an aspect of athleticism that i think gets under talked about um because he's not exploding through guys but if you can maintain your you know internal sort of solidness when you're in the air it's a it's a really valuable skill yeah 100 percent. very fundamental and i think a former nets coach kenny atkinson compared him to a football player just being so tough and like you said strong core also i give he probably has strong legs usually you have some type of strong base because like you said even on his drives he typically is a straight line driver but he's not getting pushed off of those spots and then he's able to take a little bit of contact even from a guy like steven adams tonight which is probably one of the biggest dudes in the NBA. So the development of Joe has been really good. And obviously we've seen the handles improve a little bit as well. We saw a mid-ranger or two uh, slipped in there too. So, you know, another good game for Joe. And he's just kind of live off of this, especially when the stars are out. The Nets need these 20-point games from Joe Harris. Yeah, and that's, he's become a guy that not he's not going to reliably give you 20. But if he is taking 16, 20 shots in these sorts of games, you come to expect it, and yep. it seems like he's taking on this offensive burden willingly, and it's really nice as a fan to be completely comfortable with that. 
Yep. You know, if he takes seven shots in a game, that'll happen. That's probably too low. But with the three stars, you know, there's there's going to be games he gets six three-point attempts and that's it. And at the same time, he has this ability to stay ready to take 16 shots and he doesn't look overstretched or overworked at all. Yeah, and he finds his spots too. And like you said, kind of about Shamit, just his off-ball movement is really good. And mm-hmm. obviously, I have to mention the Pelicans' defense is terrible. Like, it is atrocious. And he he probably felt good at points because he's like, damn, I just played Miami. They're riding me this entire game, and now I can live a little bit in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, that Pelicans' defense. I threw 10 bucks on the Nets when they were down 12 because me, you, and the whole world knew the Pelicans' defense was letting them back into that game. Yeah, somebody should let Stan Van Gundy know it's 2021. Playing two seven-footers ain't going to work when neither of them can shoot. That's just one of the millions problems. Obviously, we could dive deep into the Pelicans. But moving to DeAndre Jordan, uh, 21 minutes, 8 points, 3 of 3 from the field, 2 of 4 from the free throw line, 6 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal. What did you think of DJ's game? I'll let you go first on it. Okay. There are times when his his it's hard to call things effort, but there are times when his perceived lack of effort, or at least it looks that way, is irritating. I mean, he, the whole team was, to be fair, but he was a culprit in that slow first quarter start. Um, the thing I've noticed about DeAndre is that when he's in drop, he typically does not have a problem cutting off the first driver, yep. and then that driver will give the ball up to Zion or Adams, and DeAndre will be flat-footed and not be able to make the second effort and I think that's what kind of limits his ceiling as a drop defender but his second stint after the first quarter I thought was fine Um, and even towards the end of that first quarter when the Nets were getting back into it he set some really good screens for Joe Harris they have a really nice connection on those handoffs on those flare screens so I thought he contributed enough value in on those ways where I would say his 21 minutes were probably a net neutral, yeah. um, which uh, you take at this point in this in these sorts of games. You definitely take, in my opinion. Especially because you're kind of forced to play him. No disrespect to him, like you said. It, it's hard to tell at times if it's the effort or it's the foot speed or it's the reaction speed because, like you said, there's times where he moves pretty well and then other times where he's just like in Tim's, like we always talk about on Net Twitter, just how it is. It's just he doesn't really move. And that was a great point about kind of the second drive because – Against a player like Zion, that's going to be the worst type of situation. We saw that happen on multiple occasions tonight. So if he can improve from that, which I don't think he really can, it's just kind of just matchups for DeAndre that work out, and hopefully Claxton's back very, very soon. Yeah. I, Regardless of DeAndre, you got to hope Claxton is back very soon just because he gives them another look. But, you know, I've been saying it all year. I think there's going to be matchups for DeAndre. I mm-hmm. mean, the one thing we saw, Kyrie had a nice lob to him, is – just that vertical presence around the rim, especially now without the stars, is the one thing that I think he provides, has a clear advantage over any other net big on the roster, that that is what's going to force the coaching staff, if anything will, to play him. I can definitely foresee points where they say, we need a lob threat, dynamic roller around the rim, um, and we're willing to live with, you know, average to hopefully maybe slightly above average drop defense 
I agree. That's his his biggest plus is the lob threat. And even just being the big body around the rim. We saw him a couple yeah. times tonight actually lay it in and not dunk it. So it's like, okay, DeAndre, like that's something he can do. James Harden obviously gets the best out of him to the highest extent. And Kyrie has a pretty good connection with him. And I mean, honestly, in the limited time he's played with Kevin Durant, they seem like they have a little bit of chemistry too. So yeah. There are maybe moments, like you said, and there might be series and there might be matchups because at the end of the day, he is a big body. And when he's motivated, he can be slightly above average, especially when it's like a star matchup. I feel like he gets up when he's going up against Joel Embiid or he's up against Giannis or something where it's, you know, maybe a night against the Pelicans. He doesn't have the same juice. But moving on from there. Alizé Johnson, six minutes, not very impactful, but he did grab five rebounds. I think he struggled a little bit in this game, but as expected from a young player like himself. Yeah, not much to say there. It is nice that he gets in. He seems yep. to always get in and 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 grab a few boards. But um, I like that the coaching staff isn't afraid to inject him for a boost of energy because you know he's going to play hard. Um, it's just going to be the shooting that yeah. – whether he's a fringe rotation guy or a real rotation guy, because I think there was a sequence where he missed one and then he caught the ball again. And he's like, I'm not shooting this. So yep. I think he airballed it. So it just probably right. hurt his confidence. And obviously his shot isn't super pretty. Maybe they can get some work to that in the off season. And then, you know, Nets Twitter's favorite player, uh, TLC, 10 points tonight, three of six from the field, two of four from three, two of two from the free throw line and did have one assist and two turnovers. Obviously, TLC is always going to give you a couple of those headache plays, but you do give him credit for hitting a couple threes. Yeah, and the um, that entry pass to Blake that <laughs> went bounds, and Blake gave him kind of a <laughs> hell man threw his hands up was one of the most entertaining moments of the night. So I thank him for that. But those two threes, or yeah, I think they were both in the beginning of the fourth. Yeah, both fourth quarter threes. Those were big because I think the Nets opened the quarter up to immediately gave up a three and then TLC got those three points right back. Um, those really felt like any sort of momentum the Pelicans may have been building um, to really squash that. So you got to give TLC credit where credit is due. And then aside from those really big shots, there was the usual mix of, hey, oh, that was a nice read. And what the hell is this guy doing? Yeah, his feel for the game is one of the most intriguing things because sometimes he looks like, oh, wow, he might be an NBA player. And then other times it's like, yo, have you even played pickup with your friends? Like some of this stuff is just like you mentioned, the post pass to Blake Griffin. That's a pretty easy pass. It's not like we're talking about like heavily contested defense from the Pelicans. But like we said, you know, take the good with the bad. At least he hit the two big threes in the fourth quarter. Other than that, really not much to get hyped about. Yeah. Anything else, Lucas, you want to talk about in terms of this game? That's that's honestly about all I had in mind. Um, this one, I think Nets fans have seen this movie before. If you told a Nets fan that hadn't watched this game, they'd say, hey, the Pelicans are kind of bad. Uh, they came out slow, let a few role players hit some shots, got it together. And then guess what? Surprise, you're locked in a pretty dead heat with a confident team. But you have Kyrie in the end and yeah. it all works out. That is a game that, I think Nets fans are going to be able to compartmentalize. Um, felt really good. I felt really good. I saw that they haven't lost two in a row for over two months now. And it's never the time to lose two in a row, but this really would not have been the time. So I'm grateful for a win. 
Yeah, exactly. And like we mentioned earlier, we did get some negative news on the James Harden front today. I uh, was reported, whoa, Shams, Nets, Steve Nash, whoever you want to listen to. James Harden suffered a setback with his hamstring injury. The Nets will continue to be cautious. You know, it looks like he could possibly return by the playoffs or before the playoffs. It's more likely he'll return, you know, the first round of the playoffs. What was your initial reaction when you heard this? I was actually doing another podcast and I, I felt <laughs> I was like shocked. <laughs> Just shocked. Yeah. I, it's hard to even be shocked at this point. Just I bad mean, luck Nets out here. <laughs> awful luck Nets. I felt like a fool for myself for believing there was a hint that they would be healthy before the season end because I, that's just the definition of insanity, I guess. <laughs> um, the more I thought about it, though, the more I was able to breathe because KD's injury doesn't seem anywhere near that tame, same time frame. Yep. Um, Hypothetically, you think about them closing the schedule out with KD, Kyrie, and fingers crossed the rest of the squad. You, you know, you can you don't have a problem seeing them win games. The one thing I'd say about Harden that worries me a little is that when he came over in the Houston trade, you saw those first few games. His handle wasn't quite right. He had a yep. few more turnovers, and they'll be able to get away with that in round one. But this is obviously projecting into the future. You really, really hope he's on his A game when you get to the second round and he is your primary offense initiator, as he should be. Yeah, and also I think his three ball was a little bit cold when he first came over too. So then you got that, the handling. And obviously, you know, Harden is one of the bigger guys. I get a little concerned maybe with him, his conditioning. You know, just given it's a hamstring injury, you're not going to be able to run. Your rehab is going to be very limited to that extent. How much is he going to be ready? Ideally, I'd love for him to be back like at least three games before the playoffs start. But just based off of the bad luck the Nets have had, they might just wait into the postseason just to kind of let it loose. Yeah, I could see Steve Nash said, I think the quote today was, um, you know, we might not see him until the playoffs. And then he said, or it could be before. Who knows? And this might be reading too much into that, but I think if I had to guess, that's Steve Nash saying, there is no way, there is not a chance in hell that one of our three guys is getting hurt before the playoffs. I don't care if we have one, zero practices before we get there. Game one, round one, there is going to be three healthy superstars, and that is priority number one. And selfishly as a fan, in the past, I would have been like, you know, come on, I got, you got to see these dudes in the regular season. But at this point, man, I'm tired. I get it. I'm over it. Let's, if that's what you got to do, that's what you got to do is my feeling at this point. And at the end of the day, you know, talent typically wins out. And if the Nets have the talent on the court and their talent gap between a lot of these teams in the Eastern Conference, even the Western Conference is significant enough. And you have, you know, some of these role players really stepping up, a Landry Shamit, Blake Griffin kind of finding his role. Hopefully Nick Claxton kind of continues to improve a little bit and it might not even matter. So, you know, I'm always going to be positive and just hope that he works out and everything kind of gets 100%. And like you mentioned, KD injury, not really con concerned contusion pretty typical you know you get knee in the thigh when you're that skinny it's not really going to feel great yeah i uh i'm very skinny i got knee in the thigh on a saturday of an aau tournament and i woke up the next day thinking i was going to play on sunday and just couldn't put any weight on it those are sneakily perhaps underrated some of the worst just most frustrating things that can happen to you on the basket on a basketball court 
100%, especially because, you know, your quad muscle is a big reason you're exploding on a regular basis. And I'm assuming that's where he has the contusion just based off where the contact was. And it's just like, yeah, that, it's not fun. It gets to the point where it's kind of painful for you to explode or even take those running steps. But uh, Lucas, tell the people where they can find you and find your work. Well, they can find me on Twitter, um, Lucas underscore Kaplan, Kaplan with the K, very easy. Um, I'm posting all these articles I'm writing for Nets Republic. Um, and then other than that, I link to all of my work on there. I post a few game breakdowns on Reddit, um, a lot of net stuff, but as well as some other stuff that catches my eye from around the league. And in general, some work on Twitter, some threads, some, you know, maybe minor things that don't make it into an article. So if you find me on there, man, I'm always, uh, always posting basketball stuff. And more than that, just always down to have casual chats about hoop. Uh, it's the one thing keeping me going, man, during this pandemic, yeah. during this isolated year, man. I don't know what I would do without basketball. So that's the message I would like to leave the people with. Love the game. There you go. Lucas is a great follow on Twitter. Make sure you go check out his articles at Nets Republic as well. Lucas, big pleasure and big thanks everybody for listening and catch the buzz on all streaming platforms. All right, man. Thank you. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.